Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast, your home for the realest Raider takes, advanced stats, and analytics starts now. This is your host, Raider Hart, coming back at you, as always, with my partner in crime, the one and only Mr. Raspy Raider. What's up, Raspy? What's up, brother? How we doing? Still trying to recover, man, after the Raiders deliver Woo. one of their trademark heart attack specials on Sunday, winning in thrilling fashion, 31-26, to 26, over a game Chargers team. In a, in a ball game, Raspy, that really shouldn't have been as close as it was. You know, the Raiders had to defend not one but two game potential game-winning throws into the end zone as time expired. Isaiah Johnson steps up big. You know, that's something we're going to get into later on in the show. But we have a big show for you guys planned out today. We're going to recap this big Raiders win, go over some of the, the critical numbers, who played well, who didn't play well. Obviously, later on, we're going to have our captain of the week, as well as who we got walking the plank. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And this week, we're also going to be trying out something a little bit different. We have a Raider debate segment that we're going to start having every week. We're going to pick one hot take topic, Raider topic of the week, and we're going to debate it right here on the show. So that's going to be something we're both very excited for you guys to check out with us. So that's going to be also debuting a little bit later on in the show, but we have to start off by recapping, as I said, a thrilling Raider win 31 to 26 in a game where, you know, the Raiders, I hope that they're not going to be one of these teams that plays up and down to the competition. I think that, you know, it was more of a coaching issue this week, but what was your overall take of the game, Raspy, just from a bird's eye view? Oh, man, just to touch on it first, talk about just up and down, man. I did not think that there was going to be a second left on there after the after the Mike Williams breakup. But to, to rush back in and to see, like, I was going nuts. I thought it was over. <laughs> you just come back and see they had a second left. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then to see that happen and for them to call it a touchdown at first. I mean, at first, man, I can't deny it. It looked like a touchdown. Man, thank God for the replay. Uh, man, it was, ex- it was exhausting, man. I mean, what else can I say other than just exhausting, man? Kind of from, kind of from right before the half on was just exhausting, man. Exciting, you know, ups and downs, but exhausting, man. Well, would it really be Raider football if it wasn't exhausting at this Probably point? Probably not. I guess at this point, Absolutely. that's just par for the course, man. Something with this team, it's in this team's DNA. It just seems like, especially in the Derek Carr era, you know, where later on this week I'm going to be pre- presenting some Derek Carr numbers with just how he's performed for this team in close games and how many close games there's actually been in the Carr era. But speaking of Carr, I think that's a great place to start. You know, it wasn't necessarily the biggest or best Carr game in, in terms of from a statistical, a number standpoint. You know, Carr was 13 of 23 for 165 yards, did have the two t- two big touchdowns. And then, you know, you, you look at those numbers on, on their own and you can kind of say maybe it's a little bit of a pedestrian day for Carr. But in my opinion, you'd be wrong if that's what you think. Because when you look over a little further into the numbers, you see the 108.1 rating and the 78 QBR. And honestly, Raspy, I'm not even sure that those – those numbers really tell the tale that from the game that Derek Carr played, because I thought Derek Carr played a very gritty, maybe one of his more gritty performances that I've seen in his career, his Raider career so far, you know, with his willingness to, you know, put his bo- his, his body on the line, you know, put, put himself in harm's way, use his legs more, you know, those are some big plays out there that he made in the second half with his legs. And he's he continues to play tough, gritty, efficient football. But what I like the most, Raspy, and this goes for the whole year so far from Derek Carr, but it was also very, very clear, clearly on display in, in this last game. 
he's doing all the things that we've been asking for him to do that, that maybe he wasn't always doing enough in the past, you know, with his legs, he's buying time in the pocket. He's already won a ball game in cold weather a couple of weeks ago in Cleveland. So I just feel like this is another step for Derek Carr to kind of silence the, the haters or critics or, or whatever people want to call them these days. I'm still, I'm not where hearts at folks. I know that's probably going to make some people upset. I'm not quite there yet. I'll admit there is, there's a lot, there's a lot he's doing well. There's still at times, sometimes where I feel like just stuff that, I mean, we're paying him at like an elite quarterback. I need to see uh, just a couple more things out of him and just situational plays during the game that that play before the half was just unacceptable and we can call it hey the play was called he's running the play terrible it was terrible execution on his part too though so I, i will stand by that like i said i know that's not the popular vote but i'm not one to sway with the popular vote i'm calling it like i see it i do see a lot of progress though i'm not gonna sit here and deny that at all seeing him take the ball and run and get a third down when we third and 10 at that when we needed it and to put himself on the line. But that was something we were just prone to know from him in the first couple of years. And after 2016, that had disappeared for a couple of years. So I, it is nice to see it back and I'm not going to be a complete hater, but I still, I'm not quite where hearts at yet. folks. We'll, we'll, we'll talk it. We'll talk about that in a later segment. I'm just trying, just trying to keep it specifically to this game. I mean, it's hard to, the fumble, yeah, but I'm putting that 100% on Gruden, man. And, and I'm, you just don't make – that's why coaches don't put that play call into, into play right there. That's exactly why you don't make that call because 99% of the time, the majority of the thing that's going to happen is going to be more negative than positive, you know. And Darren Waller, look, he was open on the play and Carr was, was you know, he was – he was winding up to make the throw and the guy punched the ball. That's why you don't call that play with seconds to go backed up against your own goal line. But outside of that, where I'm at with that is just take the sack there in a situational play. I, I get it. If Gruden's in your head, he's telling you to call the play. You, you got to call the play. I understand that. But the one thing you cannot do at that point is turn over the ball. We had just given up a third and 16 and let him stroke one in the end zone and, and put another seven on the board. The last thing we could afford to do is let him smack another three on there right before half. So I get it. I'm just, again, he had a, he had a good day, guys. I mean, like I said, I'm not taking that away. Like I said, we'll, get, we'll touch back on that. But um, I hate to be the negative Nancy, but. That was yeah, tough, man. And against good teams, you cannot do that. That's so, that's true, but I digress. That's true, but we also have to. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a later segment. But my point right. is, fumble or not, we don't win this game without Derek Carr. So that's kind of like complaining about Michael Jordan missed the three at the end of the first half, but then he goes off for twenty in the second half, and you win. So it. We, we don't win this game without Derek Carr. The throws that he made and some of those plays that he made, that that third and 10 that he that he made, was it late in the third or was that early? In, I think that, I believe that was midway or late in the third quarter. Don't quote me on that, guys. But you all remember the play. It was third and 10 play. inside the red zone. You know, it was a pass play. He drops back, doesn't find an open receiver, escapes the pressure. And doesn't just slide down after a two or three yard gain like we've seen for the last two or three years. Doesn't run out of bounds and try to extend the ball and put the ball in jeopardy to get an extra half an inch after he only ran for two yards out of bounds. The car special. The car special is really no no longer a thing because he he picks up the entire 10 yards. And for him to, to, to actually cross the line again, he actually had to take flight and put himself into some serious you know, risky oh, water. Nervous there. there when he was up in the air. He had me nervous. Well, you don't <laughs> like to see big defensive, three hundred pound defensive lineman landing on him and rolling over either. Oh. That concerned me too. But you know, he, he responded in that play, and then the very next play, he strokes it in into the end zone to to a Waller for a touchdown. So, and then you know, a little bit earlier on in the in the in the half, you look at the deep throw to Nelson Aguilar. And for my money, Raspy, the throw to Hunter Renfro is one of the best throws all year, not just by Carr, but period, all year. So I, 
for me, this is actually Derek Carr played well above the numbers from my perspective this game and, and helped lead us to a, a big Raider win, a big division. Can't argue on the Renfro play, man. He talked about taking command, something we've been asking him to do for for a while now, and just to command, man, and just tell a guy, go, 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 get there, get there, and to hit him in stride on the money. Argument here, man. Argument for him here to in be, that play. Special play. I hope that this kind of signals that Derek Carr is, is taking the next step in his playmaking evolution. Seems like he's just speeding through his evolution as a playmaker in just one, you know, one season this year, but if he's going to start getting to the point where, yes, he's willing to use his legs to pick up first downs, but now on top of that, he's also willing to extend plays to make throws down the field. If that becomes something that's a regular part of his arsenal going forward, you know, that to me, or that takes it to dangerous. a whole nother level. It, exactly. I right. Agree. Exactly. I agree. That's, that's, that's what we need out of him, man. That's what we need out of our guy. And he is our guy. I'm not going to argue that. Right, absolutely. And I don't know how you could really watch this game, Raspy, and not have the running game just absolutely leap off the screen. You know, this is something that, you know, I've been in your ear. You know, I'm sure you're probably rolling your eyes because I've been in your ear all season about my worries about this run game. And something happened last week. Something happened in Cleveland. I don't know if Josh Jacobs is starting to hear some of the noise out there, some of the concerns. Look, I was concerned. I, I, I voiced it. I put it out there. Something sparked not only in Josh Jacobs a week ago, but it seems like the entire offensive line, the mentality of the of the entire run game, because you look at it, we rush, you know, against a decent Chargers defense. We rush for, you know, 26 carries for 160 yards, 6.2 yards a clip. Jacobs had 14 carries for 65 yards. 4.6 yards per, and obviously the, the big rushing touchdown. But I think an even bigger story in this particular game, Raspy, I don't know, you, you'll have to let me know what your perspective is here on the run game. But Booker, you know, Booker is a guy that was a really under-the-radar signing in the offseason. Love me some Booker. This is not a guy that love I don't remember Booker. either one of us really – talking about too much in the offseason when we made the move. It was intriguing, but we really didn't know what to think. You know, we both felt like we needed to get a more legitimate backup to Josh Jacobs than what we've had in the past, what we had his rookie year. But he's really been good the whole season, man. And I thought that he kind of capped that off with his best game so far as a Las Vegas Raider carrying the ball only eight times for a big 68 yards, man. If you do the math, 8.5 yards per carry and the touchdown in the, in the first quarter that kind of got the engine going for this offense. Folks, he's averaging 6.8 per carry on the season, man. And that's with 30 plus carries. I mean, he's Is that any when good? a guy gets the ball. That when the guy gets the ball, man, he he's getting this yardage and it's big. And he's done it in times when Jacobs wasn't doing it necessarily. And he's in that Browns game to kind of go back and touch on that. It was like as soon as he started feasting in that game, it was like Jacobs was like, oh, all of a sudden get it going. he was in his step in, and all of a sudden he was he was back to the to the Jacobs that we've been you know just accustomed to seeing on a regular basis. So can't you know? And then that 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 bodes well for that O line too, man. We were. Three starters down, and we did that. That's that's saying something, guys. I hope that's not lost on anybody, how these backups are coming in and playing for us, man. It's a big deal. Absolutely, man. These guys were absolute road graders in the run game. You know, it, there really wasn't anybody that stood out amongst the entire starting five for this particular game that didn't do a good job. I mean, you hear Mark Slareth, you know, just basically – Besides some of those run games, he's talking about you got Hudson down there, you got Route 66 down there. Oh my God. I mean, that's when you know that the run game, old salty old old lineman like Mark Schlereth, you know, being that excited about the run game. It's a beautiful thing, Raider Nation, because this is what Gruden wants to do. This is the true identity of the Raiders. I know Carr has really been playing on another level in the past, in the passing game. But the real identity of Gruden, he wants to beat you up on the ground. He wants to beat your, beat you up, bloody your nose on the ground, control the clock, pile up first downs, 
and then complement that with the passing game. And that's been missing up until a week ago. If this is a sign of something of, of what's to come for the rest of the season with this run game, you just, you just, it, it just, you have to feel good about that, Raspy. I feel great about that, man. Like you said, this is what he wants to do. This is how he has always been. It's all predicated off of how you control the clock, wear teams down, you know, just take it to them late in games and, and ice games. Now, was he stretching it? Like we had a 20-point lead in certain circumstances? Yes. Oh, man. But, Don't even get me going on that. Yeah, that's a scary one, man. But at the same time, they were letting us off the hook, man. They were letting him off the hook, I should say, as far as just – and just pushing guys around and getting the big yards when we needed to on the ground, man. Both of our running backs had nice extended touchdown runs. It was like that one that Jacobs took. He was like, yeah, Booker, you can't feast by yourself. It's time for me to go eat. That play he made, dude, to go airborne and twist and keep his knees off the turf, man, it was beautiful. All you saw was the bottom of his cleats, his silver cleats. It was just amazing to watch him make that play. That play was next level. He's got a little bit of Marcus Allen in him when it comes to his goal line approach. He's special, man. And, He's know, special, and I'm glad we got him. An old Raider fan, that it really does. He really reminds me of Marcus Allen in a lot of ways, but especially on the goal line. It's, it really is a pretty thing to watch. And I don't think that we can really honestly comment on the run game if we're going to be fair without bringing up somebody that I know I – really maligned the hire a couple of years ago when, when Gruden came back and, and took over as head coach in 2018. He hired a guy that not only myself, but many of you out there were very, very critical of the hire. And I couldn't stand the hire at the time. And I'm, and I'm talking about Tom Cable. Guys, looks like I was wrong about Tom Cable. Looks like a lot of us were wrong about Tom Cable. You know, for as Raspy so accurately pointed out, you know, for this – offensive line to be down three starters here you know not one not two but three and we're not talking about you know some of our marginal players on our offensive line we're talking about our starting tackles Trent Brown has an argument for being our best offensive lineman when he's healthy I know it's probably Rodney Hudson but he has an argument for being an elite right tackle Colton Miller has been spectacular this year on the left on the left side you know basically haven't said his name all year and despite having to go up against elite edge rushers basically week in and week out. And when you're not talking about your left tackle, that's always a great thing. So for Tom Cable to come in here and while I'm admitting that I'm wrong, you know, I may as well just go ahead and get it all out there. Looks like I was wrong about Brandon Parker as well. I mean, it's only been a start and a half, so I'm not going to get too crazy here, but Three weeks ago, I would have told you Brandon Parker starting at offensive tackle equals an L for this for this football team. And all he did was, you know, he was forced into action a week ago on the spot. He woke up that day thinking he'd be inactive. He suited up that day and was forced into action as a starter midway through when when Young got injured. And you know what? Olivier Vernon was having himself a day, and Brandon Parker came in and put a stop to it. He He really was. He was alive when Parker came in, man. He was feasting, and Brandon Parker put a stop to it. And then you you rewind to this last Sunday, and he goes up against a guy who I think is one of the more underrated elite edge rushers in this league, and that's Ingram. You know, and I agree. I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, I think Ingram is. I don't know. I don't know why Bosa gets so much more run over Ingram because I believe Bosa is as good as he as good as he is. A lot of that comes from having help like Ingram on the other side. So I agree with you. One of the most underrated edge rushers in the game. Absolutely. I mean, he's been wrecking games in the AFC West for how many years? It seems like now, and I agree 100. percent I think he's every bit as good as Bosa, but gets maybe half the love, half the respect. But Brandon Parker was forced into starting duty once again with Colton Miller with this ankle injury, not able to go. He steps in, and I didn't, I didn't notice Ingram the entire game, guys. I, that, that was my biggest worry on Sunday morning when I realized that 
not only Trent Brown was going to be out, but with Colt Miller not able to go. And all he did was not only erase Ingram in the past game, but I thought he was one of the major factors on the ground. He, he's a big athletic young man, and, and he put all that, all those, all those traits on display on Sunday. And I, Raspy, I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at with this, but I, I don't see really any way that you can break this down. The play of these backup linemen and the emergence of the run game and the pass protection that we also saw without giving a, a, a lot of due, a lot of credit to Mr. Tom Cable. No, absolutely. Man. I mean, there's no way to argue it. I mean, man, we, we've talked about it in the past, you know, show or two as far as you know, Denzel Good as well. I mean, the guy is a plug-and-play guy in the O-line, and he's proven that too. So let's give him some run as well because he's quietly becoming, quietly becoming the best backup at dang near any position on the O-line in the entire league. I mean, it's it's amazing to see losing guys like Richie or Trent, and, and it seems like there's not a lot of drop-off. I mean, that's – that doesn't happen. In I think league. he's I mean, almost he's, a plus in the run game. He's been spectacular. He's in, a grader. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a road grader, man. I I, I, I I agree. Like I said, I just it, – there's something to be said for that, man. There is a lot to be said for the fact that we can run out there, man, against, a, you know, good defense, folks. Let's, let's face it. Their record's not good, man, but these guys, we talked about it in the preview last week. Is, they have talent. This is not a bad team, dude. They're They're letting games get away from them. That's their problem. They've had double-digit leads and four out of their six losses. I mean, they're they're not a joke. They're not, you know, it's and they got a young kid playing is playing lights out, but they just can't seem to get out of their own way somehow. So I know the record's not going to say it, but I, I I give the Chargers way more than a lot of people do as far as I, I believe that they're a decent team. Man, if you yeah. go back the last couple of years, man, their their losses by less than five, seven points, it's it's astronomical how many games they have lost by less than a touchdown. It's crazy. You want to talk about snake bit, you know, and yeah, I don't think that they, uh, you have to look at Anthony Lynn there. I mean, I, I, I kind of hurts like me Lynn. in a way. Because I think I, he's a good coach. I man. do too. I do too. But there's something there. And at some, at some point you have to look at it and, you know, they've been snake bit his entire tenure there. They play good football. They do everything right but win football games. And at some point, you know, a head coach's number one job above everything else is to win football games, and he's just not doing it. But Wins and losses are what you're graded by, and that's it's just the way this game is, the way this league is. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned the young quarterback, Justin Herbert, you know, and continuing to prove me wrong with every every snap that he plays he just seems to look better and better and I don't think that you know this wasn't his best game by any means but to me it just continued to show over 300 yards he sure did threw for over 300 yards he kept his team in the game he had he gave his team a chance to win it at the end man it took a stud second year guy making two big big dog plays at the end there to finish it yes it did and you know, I, got, I mean, Herbert is, he's proven every week, man, that this, he is for real. He looks almost as impressive to me at this stage of his career. And, and I know that I don't want the football gods to strike me down. This may be blasphemy I'm about to get in, into here, but he looks almost, not quite, but almost as impressive to me at this stage of his young career as Mahomes did. And not, you know, it, Kill me if you want to. It's kind of hard to deny you, man, when he's, man. when he's passing for 300-plus yards every game and giving his team a chance to win. He's not the reason they're losing. It's just Absolutely it's not, not him. So. You know, and you mentioned his numbers. He 28 of 42 for 326 yards, two touchdown passes. Two touchdowns, yeah. 105.9 QB rating and, you know, 60 QBR. So, And that was – well, and I'm saying that that wasn't the most impressive game that I've seen him play so far in his young career. No, and that's no, not you at take all. That, I mean, those numbers every week. Teams would be begging to have a quarterback throw for that kind of yardage and for that kind of rating. And he's just not, he's not turning the ball over. I mean, he's, he doesn't he's look rattled. Legit. I, no, he looks poised. If anything, he looks very poised in the pocket and outside the pocket at that. Yeah. You know, he continued to impress, but it was a really, it was kind of a, a weird game because you know if you look at the raw numbers you could just say that oh the Raiders defense was was bad once again but if you actually watch the game and you're open minded about it 
I actually thought, and you may disagree here, I actually thought that the Raiders' defense, while not having a, a great game, they weren't lights out like they were practically the week before in Cleveland, but considering the talent that they were going up against on the other side of the ball, I thought the defense played pretty solid, man. What'd you think? No arguments here, man. I, I mean, I'd love to argue with you on that, but they no, I mean, they didn't. I mean, aside from just a couple big plays, but well, those are going to happen. I mean, we got to clean that up. And if we can clean up those, those big third downs, then, then yeah. But again, it's going back, tracing back to what we're saying. A good quarterback makes good plays. They make big plays and our D they held tough, man. And, and then that last drive and then even the, previous drive before that man Kwiatkowski man he makes a difference boy boy he is when he's out there we are a different team yes sir we are just a different team when he's out there man and 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 the free agents this year have been kind of a letdown let's be honest on on defense they have he has he has not been that at all he has been a shining star back there man and that that play he made on that two-point conversion to stop Tyrod Taylor just dead in his tracks I mean, it proved to be the game. Right. You know, they could have kicked the field goal down there and taken it to overtime, right. and who knows what happens if we go to overtime. Maybe a coin flip was going. at that point, you yeah, know, because our defense was gassed at that point. And for everybody that wants to get on the defense at the end for allowing it to be that close, I got two things for you, okay? Number one, they made the stop, all right? So at the end of the day, the deep, the, they don't give you points for moving the ball to the one-inch line and not getting it in or what. They, they made the stop when it when it counted. And number two, they should have never been put in that position, you know? I think we can all agree that for whatever reason, John Gruden, not it's not that he's willing to put games in the hands of this defense. He's choosing to put the game in the hands of this defense. And that's something that I don't understand why he's doing that, Raspy. Can you please, can you help me understand that, man? Because it, it's beyond frustrating to me. Just help me to understand it before I go on a rant here. Just help me understand, please. The only thing that I could, the only, and literally, folks, the only thing that I can touch on here, and, and it still is a bit boggling to the mind, is you run a fine line of are you just trying to push this defense to excel? and to close games out, or are you putting too much on a defense that is still not proven to be able to just end the game? Interesting. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I Maybe it's he's testing these guys, and, hey, man, two weeks in a row they've responded, but can you live and die by that? I'm not there yet. I can't say that yet by any means. Interesting. That's about the only, only, only take I can have on that is that, hey, man, can you go win the game, guys? And we're going to put it on you to win it and putting guys in positions to maybe help these guys grow in these situational spots and games to just. And there is something to be said about trying to give your guys some confidence, too. So I don't know. That's about my only rebuttal on that, man, because I'm with you, too. It is kind of perplexing. Interesting. So. Hmm. Let me kind of marinate on that for a second. So your your theory is that he may be trying to give experience and confidence in closing out games to a young defense. What choice do we have? Hmm. I mean, I understand that we yeah we could say hey let's just go offense and let's just go let's just go beat him and eat him, but I don't know. I mean, he's trying to change the whole dynamic of how we play here. But then there's some things there that can kind of contradict some of that. But that's about where I'm reaching. Is about the only place I could reach. I've racked my brain, my brain about it as well. But hey, man, I tell you what: if this defense hasn't gained some confidence over the last two weeks, then I don't know what it would take to allow them to gain confidence. So you know, that's a very interesting theory, man. And that's you know, it's it's as thought provoking as anything that I've come up with or anything I've heard out there because. You know, I, now I'm not saying that if that's the case, I would agree with it, but it, at least it has some logic to it. Because other than that, I'm looking at it. Why? Why would you rather put games in the hands of a bottom tier defense that's continued to be a bottom tier defense for the last three years, and you factor in the youth on top of that? Where on the other side, you can just you can choose to end games with 
one of the better offenses in the league with a hot quarterback right now in Derek Carr that's making really good winning decisions. And, you know, you may you may be onto something there. I don't know that I would agree with that if that is what Gruden is thinking. But if I if I take that away, I don't know what Gruden is thinking because other other than that, I, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. You have one side of the ball has – you know, a good quarterback right now, I'm not going to say great, but a good quarterback right now. And then you do have some elite players on that side of the ball. You know, Jacobs, Waller, the offensive line has two or three elite guys. Receivers are playing good football. It's just kind of mystifying to me that you wouldn't want to just go ahead and put the clamps on the game with that unit on the field right there. Fourth and two. And you have that personnel on the field and you're choosing to pass on an opportunity to end the game with that unit right then and there to choosing to put the ball and the game and possibly the season in the hands of this defense. But you know what, at the end of the day, maybe there's some mad genius at work here because we did get the stop and you know, that's the name of the game is to get the stop and get the W. So it's one of those things in the NFL. When you, when you win, you're a genius. When you lose, you're an idiot. You know, it's, this is a tough game. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one to be in charge of a whole squad because you kind of live, they live or die by what you do. But when you win, I mean, it sure makes you look good, don't it? It's a doggy dog world <laughs> out there, ain't it? <laughs> yes, it you is. You know what, though? Isn't that what in more ways than one? Isn't that what Jack Del Rio did on the opposite end of the spectrum? And isn't that why? I felt like that was one of the major factors in us making the playoffs in 2016 was, was Jack Del Rio's willingness to, to be aggressive in the spot. Just about every time we were in one of the spots, he chose to be aggressive. And I felt like that gave – there's something – you said something to be said about giving the defense confidence, and I absolutely agree with you on that. But there's also something to be said by giving your offense the confidence that, look, game's on the line, fourth down, one, two, three, whatever it is. Our coach believes – that we're gonna go that we it. that we're gonna go win this football game. He believes that we're capable and that we're gonna deliver and we're gonna win the game, right right here right now. And I think that there's something to that as well. Well, and don't get me wrong, I I'm with you on that because I feel like the way we're built, that is the way we should go win. But how do you change the narrative on a defense that has been not only bad but really bad for years? is to start to try to put them in a position to where they can shatter that narrative and say, hey, man, our, our defense can win us games too. So it's like I said, man, I know I'm treading a real, real thin line here with this, but, I mean, you asked me what I thought before you went completely off, and I tried to pull you back in a little bit with the only thing I could try to get out of that, and it's just to try to try to build some – some, you know, some swag on that D, man, to, to finish a game, put it in their hands to win it. Now, do I like the way it ended? Yes. Do I like the way we got to there? No. I felt like it could have been should have been that close, Raspy. Um, the game should have been over, I'm man. I'm with you. I'm with you on the taking shots. I'm with you on the taking the in shot. The game. I, mean, I watched I watched Carolina. Carolina went for it. I mean, granted, they were they were a lot closer to the end zone at this point, but they went on a fourth and two, man, stretched one out, scored a touchdown, kept themselves in the game with the Chiefs and gave themselves a chance to, to win at the end. I mean, on a, on a long one to boot, but it's the percentages are in your favor as far. And the way we were running the ball, I guess I go back to that third and two, which I would have taken the stance of this four-down territory. We're getting two yards and two downs. But we chose to pass on that third and Unbelievably two. Unbelievably stupid. Incomplete pass. Now you're on a fourth and two. So it's it's weird. It's like I, I, I want him in those situations. When I want him to run, he's throwing. When I want him to throw, he's running earlier and down. So it's he's kind of all over the place. But then again, I'm not a coach, and I'm not going to sit here and call him out completely yet. But there's some things that need to be figured out, man, and – and, and it's it's definitely a conundrum, man. It's 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 tough to get to the bottom of where he's going. We can't unfortunately get inside his brain and see exactly where his mind's at on some of these calls. But if it were me on that third and two, I'm running the ball, and I think most likely the way we're running the ball, we pick that up. And if we don't, then we're in a fourth and one or a fourth and inches. And I feel like there's no way we can't get. And that. who's better so, at a controlled? So I agree, man. I would have much rather been up by. 
you know, <laughs> two scores than to have them have a chance to go down and win it. Regularly. Well, and I'm just trying to get Gruden to, to cultivate a more aggressive mindset, man. And it just, and it wasn't just the fourth and two, right. it, you know, later on you had the third and six inside the 15, I believe we were, I know we were inside the 20. He calls a timeout, you know, it, again, if you score a touchdown, the game's still, it's a, it's a wrap. The fourth and two don't even, it doesn't even come into play, but you know, he calls a timeout and then, his best call is a tight end screen to Waller. Like you don't even throw the ball in third and six. You don't even throw the ball past the. You sticks. might as well have ran, well ran the ball. You might as well have ran the chance. ball. We talked about this we were running in live. We talked about this during the game. I would have rather ran the ball than to throw that quick hitter three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage on a third and six. I mean, and you're cutting off half the field. I just, yeah, I don't get it either. That was, that was one where I was scratching my head and shaking it at the same time. Just, yeah, it, it just it makes no sense to me. But, you know, to, to get back on topic, though, the defense, you know, the one area that I'm starting to see some positive signs, and it's the one area that we needed to see signs the most, is the pass rush. You know, that's been a, a, we all know that's been a major, right. major topic this whole year, you Absolutely. know, basically non-existent. It's one of my biggest concerns every single week, if not my biggest concern. Oh, it's my biggest concern week. every week going into – regardless yeah. who we're playing, you kind of know what you can expect from just about every other unit on this team except for the pass rush. You just don't know what you're going to get. If anything, you, you expect a, a bad performance, and you're normally going to be right. But they're starting to see some life there, man. The Raiders, 14 pressures which isn't amazing, but for us, that's pretty solid, you know. And Cleveland Farrell, six pressures on the day to lead the Raiders. I thought he had a fantastic game. Nobody else had more than two. Why don't you say something real quick about a guy that we've been hard on, you know, but we're fair here, guys. At Silver and Black Hack, we're going to call it like it is. We've been hard on Cleveland Farrell, but just say something about the game that he played yesterday. Man, he, he pressed the pocket. He played the run well. I mean, he was he was all over. I mean, like you said, just back to your stats, he had almost half our pressures, man, one guy alone. This is a guy, like you said, we've been really hard on. And there's tremendous upside there. We're not ever denying that, guys. We just haven't seen it on the field translate into the consistent pressures and the getting the quarterback off key on the ground or at least just making mistakes, you know. So that that was huge. Uh, I love Clee, man. I do. I do. I feel like we've reached a little bit. Yes, I do. But that's that's long. That's old news. It's behind that's us long, now. It's long gone. There's nothing we can do about it. Ain't He's no time here. machines out so there, guys. If he can do. Yeah, if he can do this every week, man, and create pressure and play that run like he's playing, I will have no gripes or any complaints about that. I have no complaints about him. You know, on you know Sunday, none. You know. I don't know what it is about the Chargers, but he he continues to show up and play his best football. He does play better against the Chargers now that you, now that I think about that. He does yeah, he feasted on them last year. He yeah, really he did. played his best game. His two best games, I think, last year were against absolutely the Chargers. were, and that continues. You know, and I felt like he was a factor in the run game. I felt like he, while he didn't get any sacks, he, he had some critical pressures. He bothered Herbert at times. And I thought, you know, if he can carry this over, we t I talked about Olivier Vernon. We both mentioned him from the Cleveland game. And I've always said that if Cleveland Farrell, if he does work out, if he can figure this thing out at the NFL level, I think that a player that he could resemble quite a bit to me is Olivier Vernon, a guy who maybe he's not going to lead the league with 18 sacks every year or anything like that, but He's a guy who plays the run exceptionally well and can get you seven to seven to twelve sacks on any given year. I think that if if Cleveland Farrell can figure it out, that's the type of player that he could be. Something that that really is very similar, somebody that's very similar to Olivier Vernon. And I think he kind of saw a little bit of that against the Chargers. You know, he wasn't an overwhelming dominant force out there, but he was. He played some very very solid football and. He found ways to affect the game in both phases of the game, the run game and the pass game. And that's really all we can ask for the, the young man as he continues to grow. 
Man, I like the comparison. I, I really do. I think that's a that's a hell of a take on that. And I like the comparison there. And I feel like, I, you know, I hate to quote Belichick on anything, folks, but do your job. Right. If he can do his job like he did on Sunday, week in and week out, hey, man, I'll, I'll be – I'll be more than happy with the fact that he's there every Sunday. So I like the comparison, man. I do. I like you reaching there. I, I reach in after that one. I think that's a hell of a comparison. I feel like he does stack up in that regard. So and, nice to see, man. I'll tell you that much. It was nice to see Max get off and get him one too, you know, and even to see Nassif kind of get off. Nassif got off the schneid and got to the quarterback. Even too. Collins I mean, had I think, a key I feel pressure. like the defensive line, Collins – Yep, Collins had a really key pressure and forced to throw completion. on one where Herbert Yeah, and Herbert could have ran, but he was on his tail and he forced him into a pass and it was huge because that was down by the goal line as well and they had to settle for three. So Herbert, that's another thing. Herbert hasn't been getting sacked a bunch. The kid's been efficient. He's been getting the ball out of his hands. So those pressures, man, they mean more than you think, you know, against a guy like that who's He's got wheels and he's got mobility and he's seems like he's he's getting this NFL speed down quicker than most. So so to make him to make him run and keep him off his off his mark is huge, man. And Cleveland's doing it. And I gotta give him nothing but props, man. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Right on the money. And to wrap this segment up, I don't think we could wrap this segment up because any talk about this game would be incomplete without discussing the young man who forced the ball to be incomplete at the end. And that's, of course, a young man that I was always kind of curious to see. You know, I was a big believer in his physical skill set, and I've just been waiting to see him, you know, crack into the starting lineup or at least the rotation. And this has to go a long way towards that. And, of course, guys, you know, big mystery. I'm talking about big play Zay, Isaiah Johnson, two massive pass breakups at the end of the game also had some other good reps earlier in the game that aren't as, you know, discussed about or aren't as talked about obviously is the, the two major plays at the end. I just thought Isaiah Johnson, man, you want to talk about a confidence building performance. Lights out, man. What, a, what, I mean, you could not play the, the fade to the corner of the end zone any better than he played it, man. It's a hard one to cover, but your main objective is to be close and to rip, and that's what he did, man. And because of him ripping, Mike Williams dropped one, and because of him ripping, Parnum dropped one too. That was just big, big, big dog status at the end of the game, man, in a clutch situation, man. you got to give that guy all the credit in the world. So happy to see him out there shining and there's up to me folks you've heard my plank talk the last two weeks man i wanted nevin lawson out of there i do not see why isaiah johnson couldn't have been out there helping mullen on the other side but like i said i'm not going to get into that now but i'll leave it at this hell of a play i hope this earns him some more run. it's a hell of a play it was a hell of a play and then it was even more so when you consider the physical matchups that he was going i mean how tall is mike williams again i mean mike <laughs> Six five six 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 five on a fade boy. Barnum's Barnum's a guy that I scouted a couple years ago last year, and I I was kind of I know Gruden loves his tight ends. I was hoping he would take a flyer on this guy at the end of the draft, you know, sixth seventh round a year ago, um, because this guy this year actually this this year's draft because he's this guy's six foot he's six foot he's almost six nine. With the vert, this guy is a big-time red zone target. Coming into this game, coming into that throw, he was three for three. three. Three targets, three catches, three touchdowns until he ran up against big play Zay. That's just I mean, big play Zay. The job. I love it. High-pointing the ball, not love giving it. up on the play, and forcing a game-winning incompletion. And just ripping – Rip to the ground. Don't give up, man. These young kids in the, the game, you worry about them not having those veteran-type assets or playmaking ability or just that wherewithal to just keep ripping until that thing. You've got to carry this ball all the way through the 
through contact to the ground and catch, and he knew that, and he was digging. And, man, whew, he did it two plays in a row against two big boys, man. And it was just you could not ask for any more out of a guy out there with limited reps doing his Absolutely, thing, man. man. Had a boy. Absolutely, and it all added up to – uh, a thrilling Raiders win, thirty-one to twenty-six. They moved to five and three. About had a heart that attack. Gave us all a cardiac <laughs> episode, but we pulled through. And you know the Raiders two and zero in the AFC West have another AFC West opponent coming in. But that's we'll break that down in our pre-game show later on in the week. But uh, moving on, we want to try something a little bit different. We're going to debate a topic here in a segment that we're going to, for now we're going to be calling the silver and black SmackDown. So you guys are going to want to stick around for that. I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Stick around. You listen to your captain, mate. It's time you walk the plank. Welcome back Raider nation. And no Raider recap show would be complete without everybody's favorite segment. Of course, we're talking about captain of the week and who's going to be walking the plank and may as well just get right into it. Raspy, uh, who do you have this week as far as who's your captain of the week? Who do you got walking the plank? Oh man, this was tough. This was so tough for my captain, especially man. I was leaning one way over the other. I'm sorry. I just cannot get away from what Johnson, what Mr. Big Play Zay did at the end of the game, man. My captain of the week is Isaiah Johnson. You listen to your captain, mate. Okay. Just, I mean, to be down in that situation, man, as a young guy, and they're going at you. He even said it himself. He knew they were coming at him. <laughs> he knew it. Oh, did he? I didn't see that. Did in his press conference, he just he I think he felt like he knew what was coming, and he just took that man and was like, "Okay, come on at me." And what did he do, man? Shut him down two plays in a row to end the game and maybe possibly save our season in a sense, man. If we go four and four, man, it's it's a waste. Deeper hill to climb. Period. It puts our playoff hopes in jeopardy. I thought the same yeah. thing. Four four losses through the first eight games, man. That's tough. I'm not saying it's can't happen, but that was tough. So to it's have him, second, it sets man. you up for a second half that you know with no yeah. margin of error. And I'm gonna throw in like I did last week, and I'm not gonna do this every week, but this is what I was stressing on. The other guy was. Honorable mention is Kwiatkowski, man. The guy may have saved the game in his own right on that two-point conversion where he stuffed Tyrod dead in his tracks and he went nowhere. This is the third or fourth time in the last two games where I've seen him hit people and they just go backwards. <laughs> so right. those, right. I mean, but like I said, can't get away from big plays, eh, man. Just, just so your captain of the week is Isaiah Johnson. Big, yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. Unfortunately, we also have to look at the flip side. So, who do you got walking the plank this week? I know, man. And, and this one, they're always tough, man, especially in a win. But <sighs> Henry Ruggs, man. It's time you walk the plank. I don't, with car playing wow. as well as he's playing why is Ruggs not getting the ball is he not demanding the ball is he sitting back and being too quiet about getting his touches is it on car I, I don't know but it's not working this guy needs to get more targets so that's not his fault but I just I don't know what's going on Hart actually made a very good point talking a day or so ago you have these we talked about it. We put it on there, man. We wanted us to draft rugs. This is what we wanted. And you see in games why we did because of the way he stretches the field. But you see guys like CD Lamb and Jerry Judy feasting. Those are the two guys, guys. We can't argue. Those those were the big three. That's what we were. We wanted rugs. And I'm not shying away from that. But something's not working. And I don't know if that comes back to more 
Gruden, Carr, or Ruggs, but in a week where it was hard for me to find a guy to walk the plank, man, unfortunately, Henry Ruggs, you got to walk the plank, man. We need more out of you. So whether it's you demanding it, I don't know. I know it's hard for the rookie to demand his time, but as good and as gifted and talented as this guy is, we need more out of him. So, so unfortunately, it was a tough one, man, but Henry Ruggs, man, walking the plank. Got him walking the plank. Wow. Hard, man. I mean, you have no idea how hard that is for me. I think actually you do. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't totally disagree with you on that. For me, I went a little bit different this week. I felt like, let's just start it off. My captain of the week. I felt like I had to go to the coaching ranks. You know, there was a lot of different ways I could have gone on the field. I could have gone Derek Carr again. I could have gone anyone on this offensive line, essentially. I could have gone, you know, Kwiatkowski. I could have gone Max Crosby. A lot of guys played well. Isaiah Johnson was a wonderful choice that I absolutely can't argue with, you know, with his game-saving plays. But I decided to go a little bit different. I went off the field. I went, I went Tom Cable guys. I I went Tom Cable as my captain of the week because you listen to your captain, mate. When we made the hire, you know, I could not stand. I I couldn't even fathom that this is the guy that John Gruden wanted to bring in to be our offensive line coach, you know, coming off of the, the performances of his offensive lines in Seattle. But all I know is since we brought this guy in he advocated for bringing in Colton Miller. I totally disagreed. Dead wrong about that. Colton Miller's proven me wrong about that. I wasn't sure about the Trent Brown move with giving him that kind of money. And, yeah, he's had some unfortunate health scares and situations this season. But one thing I think we can all agree on, when Trent Brown is playing and he's healthy on the field, he's been dominant. Dominant right tackle is is good, if not better than any other right tackle in the business when he's actually on the field. But I think where you're really seeing it more than anywhere with Tom Cable and the job that he's doing this year is with the backups, with the versatility of Denzel Good. You know, this guy, you can plug and play him. Essentially, it looks like anywhere on the offensive line and you don't miss a beat. But then especially with Brandon Parker, Brandon Parker looks like a revelation this year compared to what we saw last year out of this kid. And, you know, he, he always had Talk the physical about coaching ability. guy up, man. Talk about it's coaching, coaching. guy up. Man. It's all coaching. You know, the guy Can't didn't even think he's going to be – he didn't even think he was going to be active a week ago on game day. And then, you know, lo and behold, he gets the, he gets the start in the second half because, you know, Young was getting abused – and then he got hurt. And then he, he came he came in and, and completely stabilized the right side against the Browns. And then this week he had to make another emergency start in place of the reliable Colton Miller, who hasn't missed a single snap yet, as far as I understood, before Sunday, you know, due to injury. And he stepped over to the left side and, and erased Ingram out of the game, you know? Back-to-back so, weeks erasing Olivier Vernon and Melvin Ingram. Couldn't get any can better you ask that. much more from a kid? Good night. You man. absolutely can. And then if you, since you can't ask any more out of a kid, you know, he decided to give us more anyway because I thought he was sensational on Sunday in the ground game as well. We can't talk about the gaudy numbers that we had on the ground with, with Jacobs and with Booker without also including the work that Brandon Parker did on the ground. That was all five guys on the ground, but Brandon Parker was absolutely, you know, Colton Miller has been a very good guy in the run game that he's been very underrated in his career. You always want to talk about his pass protection usually. And that's, that's the way it is with any left tackle. That's the first thing you look at. The cold Miller's has been, especially this year, has been a very solid run blocker. Well, you you saw that with Brandon Parker as well. I mean, he was, just a fantastic performance, and you got to give you got to give Tom Cable the credit for that kind of a performance up front when you had two to three starters. Three starters were out, and high level starters at that. Incognito Brown yeah. and Miller. I mean, it, these Mountains, are big time mountain movers. These are mountain movers. These are road mountain graders, movers. man. These are the guys. So 
these are what we hang our hat on, man. So hell of a pick on your captain of the week, man. What about your who's walking the plank for you this week, brother? I'm anxious to hear where you're coming with this. John Gruden himself, the captain of captains, is walking the plank for me this week. It's time you walk the plank. Because of his schizophrenic play calling, number one, you're overly conservative on third and six inside the red zone when a first down probably puts the game away because you probably punch it into the end zone if you can pick up that first down. You know, a few plays, a few drives before that, the fourth and two where you could have put the game away. I thought Raspy illustrated very, very nicely how third and two you throw a low percentage deep ball to rugs where it hasn't been connecting all game really for the last two or three games. That's your call on third and two. And then you punt on fourth and two. That call only makes sense. That that deep shot to rugs on third and two only makes sense if you go for it if you're going on for fourth it. and two. Not if you're punting on fourth and two. So I agree. And then, you know, the I know you put a lot of this on Derek Carr, but Derek Carr shouldn't even have been put in the position to throw the ball with 20 seconds or whatever was left in the first half backed up against his own end zone. You just don't make that call to throw the, the to throw the ball in that in that situation. You kneel down just like every other coach does, or run the ball. You go to halftime, and you know you you regroup. Regroup. You regroup exactly, and and that's why I said it earlier because as much as I was going to be hard on Carr for that, I had to be hard on Gruden for that too because I don't think the play should have ever been made. It should have never been called. And the bottom you go down, dude. You already gave him a. You are sorry to cut you off, but you already gave up that third and sixteen, and followed it up with a long touchdown to just kind of deflate you a little bit before the half. After playing such an awesome half of defense, that Gruden should not put his guys in that type of predicament. And and I agree with you, man. Hundred percent. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Hundred percent. He he can't put his guys in that position. And then even furthermore, you know, the fourth and two. That call, that decision to punt the ball did nothing but make it less likely that the Raiders win the game because right away we, you punt the ball and, and su- to nobody's surprise, Herbert drives them right down the field and they punch it in. So the, literally we gain nothing by, by punting the football away. And my question to you, Raspy, is, is a very simple one, and it's this. What in the world has John Gruden seen from this defense, not just this season, but since – over the, the entire two and a half years he's been back as a coach with the, with the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders, what has he seen from Paul Gunther's defense that would have him time, it seems like time after time after time, choosing, choosing to put the game in the hands of this defense? I just don't, I, I just don't see what he's seeing out there. And it's for those reasons why I have to put John Gruden this week. He's walking the plank. He's got to be more aggressive going forward or else he's he's putting this team in jeopardy of not making the playoffs down the road with these piss poor decisions on field goals and on going forward and these play calls in critical situations, man. Man, to to just to kind of piggyback off that, man, you saw what happened in that Miami Arizona game. I man <laughs> Kingsbury at the end of that game, there's a minute 58 left when he's kicking that field goal. And it's, I don't know, it was fourth and short and he didn't go for it, man. And your kicker comes out, you depend on a kicker to hit a 49 yarder and he throws it short. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go for it, man. If you want to win these close games, you have to be aggressive. And I, I can't even argue it. So what is that? As much as, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know because it was just kind of like last week early in the game. He's going for it on fourth down inside our own 35. <laughs> so it's, it's schizophrenic, it's, man. It's, it's Yeah, it is. It is. That's. I mean, there's really no better better way to put it, man, is it's, it's schizophrenic. It's just irrational and irate, some of these decisions that are made. You had a chance to put that game in the rear view where it wouldn't have mattered what they did because they were running out of time. So I'm with you. Put the game away. You're the boss. Ultimately, you know, Carr's our captain, but there's a captain above the captain, and ultimately he's the one calling the plays. It just doesn't make any sense. One unit has 
Derek Carr, who's I believe is playing the best football of his NFL career this season. You have an offensive line that's riddled with studs up there. You have a top three receiving tight end. Them out. You have a, a plethora yeah. of quality young wide receivers that that could all make it happen. And yet, you know, not to mention you have a stud Pro Bowl caliber running back and a really good backup running back. He's choosing to, to overlook all, all your talent is on offense, John. I don't understand why you're two yards away from putting the game away with your one of the best units in the league, which is the Raiders offense, but you're choosing instead to take it out of the hands of that unit and putting it into the worst defense in the history of the NFL over the last 10 years. I just don't understand what your thought process, and you're not learning either. You go back a few weeks ago when we lost to the Bills and he's kicking a field goal inside the 10-yard or inside the 15-yard line or whatever, whatever it was, you know, under six minutes to go and only like four coaches since 2000 have ever made that call in that situation. He's not learning. He's doing the same thing. And he seems to get more conservative late in the game. And then he's reckless early in the game. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. When the game is two feet away from, from victory, he's conservative, but then he's, he's throwing the ball in the first half with six seconds left. I just, this guy, it just, I don't get it either. This may be the first of many walking the plank this year for me with Gruden. And that up and down, too, because in in Hart's defense on this one, man, he's not questioning Gruden's scheme scheme. or his offense or his playbook. His playbook, his offense is legit, and it's new age, and it can hang. It it has been hanging. It's the play calling and the situational – spots of the game and these are where you let's be let's be real let's be honest coaches will say it too it's that's what you have coaches for to make those decisions in those pivotal points in games to finish and to finish strong and man and to you know to put games away so i can't even argue this it's so far he's showing he doesn't have a knockout punch as a coach, he doesn't man, have a killer that's, instinct. That's, tough, man. that's not good. That does not bode well, especially when the offense is where the, the rubber meets the road with this team. I mean, and he's the play caller, man. Aggression on offense is what's going to get us to the playoffs or not. And, right. you know, every week that goes by, we're running out of time. It's one less week for, for Gruden to wake up and realize we're going to make the playoffs with this offense and only with this offense. It's not even fair to put it on the defense because that's not where the talent is. So it's not where the money is either. It's not where the money is and that's not where the talent is. So, you know, you, you can't expect Kwiatkowski to bail us out every week out there, you know? So nope. that's my, that's my, uh, that's where I got <laughs> walking the plank this week. So I like, I like the off field. I like the off field on the, on the on the staff, I like it. Absolutely, and it's, as much as that, that's tough. You know, we'll do it I every like week. It. I like but I just felt like it was necessary this week. No, I think it was necessary too, and I and I like the call out, man, on both sides. I I like the, I like the cable on your captain, and as much as I hate to say it, man, I like to walk in the plank with Gruden though too. We gotta see more of those. Those pivotal plays that end games, man. And we've been in these. We've had these situations. It seems like it comes down to it every and week. We've been team. lucky enough. Yeah, we've been lucky enough to to get these wins, man, and you know, and to pull it off. That may not happen. Like I said again, against my other points earlier. You're playing, man. We gotta deal. We're gonna have to deal with the Steelers, the Ravens, the Chiefs, Tennessee. There's some good, really, really good defensive teams out there. You have to put these teams away and score when you have the opportunity to score. You don't get down there often, so when you do, you have to capitalize. So, hell of a point, brother. I appreciate that, man. I agree with your your picks as well. Um, anything anything else on this before we move on and wrap up? Man, I you know it's kind of crazy is I was I'm, I haven't really seen anything on Ingold. Is he doing okay? I know he was in the hospital. I'm not. I haven't. I haven't seen that update. I know he's got a rib injury. You'd have to assume it's a fractured rib or a break or something. For him to I know a lot hospital. of people don't. I know a lot of people don't put a lot of emphasis, especially in today's NFL, on the fullback. But man, I love Alec Ingold. Yeah, man, every player. time the guy gets the ball, he gets a first down. He makes huge plays for us, man. And I just, I hope the guy's doing well. I hope he can bounce back. I hope we don't lose him for even a game. But if we do, I hope that's all it is. So 
big ups to Ingold on another note and just get well, brother. Get back to playing, man. We love you here. We love your attitude. We love just your swag and just the way you just quietly handle your business. So props to Ingold, man. Hope he gets uh, gets on the man quick. Well said. Well said. I agree 100%. Um, anything else before we wrap up? Other than that, no, man, let's let's go beat the Broncos ass next week, man. Let's do this. Let's go get them and let's finish what we're in the middle of doing in this AFC West. And let's just start rolling, man. Let's start stacking wins. We got the Chiefs following that. So we've got to go get this game against the Donkeys. Let's go smack the Donkeys. Let's move into next week. And speaking on that, you guys are going to want to rejoin us later on this week for our Raider Broncos. It's Donkey Week, guys, so our Donkey pregame show will be dropping this weekend on Saturday, so you guys are going to want to make sure to come back. We're going to break down the numbers. We're going to break down what the Raiders need to do to get this win on offense, what they got to do on defense and game plan, all that good stuff. So you guys are going to want to make sure to – Tune in once again. We're going to lay it out. We're going to give you everything that you need to, to, to see or to hear, rather, to get ready for another pivotal AFC West matchup coming up this weekend. So until then, guys, we appreciate you joining us every week. If you liked our show, that's wonderful. Give us a follow. Subscribe to the show. Give us a follow. Give us a follow on Twitter on YouTube and on Facebook. And um, if you didn't like the show, we appreciate you hanging with us this long and give us, give us another opportunity. And I think that we can eventually win you guys over as well. But until then for my partner, Raspy Raider, this is Raider heart coming at you. And in the immortal words of the great, just been baby.